Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. Wishing everybody out there in Italia happy Bifana, whatever they call it over there, January 6th. Hope everyone got their presents that they wanted over there. Speaking of Bifana and witches and all these different kind of nicknames for different holidays and stuff, guys, let's talk about nicknames here in the United States with our president. <laughs> it's been an epic week for nicknames. What have you guys thought of them so far? He may not be a stable genius all in all, but he's very good at coming up with nicknames. Sloppy Steve. And when you look at pictures of Steve Bannon online, I think it's hilarious to call him Sloppy Steve. He does look very, very nasty. He just looks like a, like he stinks. You guys are falling for it. It's just like the simplest slams he can reach for. He's trying to, trying to brand his, his enemies. Crooked Hillary. What do I want people to think of every time they hear the name Hillary? Crooked Hillary. Yeah. Steve. S- stupid sloppy Steve. Yep. It's catching on, man. Uh, perhaps President Trump has been listening to Curve America in his spare time since we've been pretty familiar with nicknames here as well. Yeah, stay, stay, out, the, stay out the nickname game. President Trump, we got this one. <laughs> We've got this covered, yeah. Way Ta- harder to do uh, Italian soccer players and teams than it is to just look at Steve Bannon and be like, guy looks sloppy, and it's alliteration. Yep, Tad, you've been working on this. Uh, what have you got for some of the nicknames that we've been doing here for like the past year and a half? Well, I would like to take this time to announce that we are going to put out our starting 11 nicknames. Um, <laughs> should be a Twitter meme pretty soon. Kind of need to sharpen the knife on this one, dot the I's and cross the T's. But if you think of some of our, you know, greatest ones that we've come up with, you know, Riff Raff, Diego Lopez, the Pit of Naked Writhers for Marco Borriello, the Giggity Goal Scorer Quags, a return of a certain player in Gerard Delafoe, LFO, Summer Girl, um, and then just, you know, the Razor Man Chick, Fat Boy G, the Dirty Rooster. The purple pine and Chiellini can go on and on. So uh, get excited. Might be a couple surprises in there. All right. All right. We'll keep working on that for sure. We also want to mention, guys, we had playoff time here in the U.S. We had the NCAA College Football Championship. We got NFL playoffs going on. It begs the question, Serie A playoffs, what would they look like? Would you like it? Would you hate it? I'll start us off here with, uh, I got to give a little bit of uh, props here to the Soccer Cooligans, another podcast out there, and at Bobby Boswell. uh, Bobby sent out a tweet uh, saying, congrats to UCF football on winning the Supporter Shield. Congrats to Alabama on winning the playoff championship. UGA and Ohio State, at least you made Champions League. Hashtag soccer isn't that confusing. I thought that was clever, guys. What do you think? Should we have the playoff version here in the States? Go across the uh, ocean over to Italy? You know, it might be interesting once or twice just to test out the waters and see what it looks like. But overall, I think the idea is just a huge money grab. And it's so much like American sports to take advantage of every single moment to try to make money off this thing. 
You know, that's why NFL has all the commercials. That's why they've extended the amount of commercials that they have over the years. And the whole playoff thing in the in the college football system is is built around just making more, 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 more money. Also, I don't like that, you know, the whole season comes down to essentially two games. What about the rest of the season? You know, I get it. it you you put yourself in the in the top seed by doing well throughout the season. But when it comes to the Serie A, you're going to play, what, 38 games and yeah. then come down to a, 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 a two-game playoff, you know, semifinals and then a final? I don't think that's that, that works out too well. So let me get this straight, Marco. The Serie A is not trying to make <laughs> as much money as they possibly can. Yeah. Marco for, working that TV deal for us. It's just all big money grab, man. You guys are just such capitalists. Well, I mean, it would it wouldn't be a money grab if people you know didn't think that this was a worthwhile thing and want to do it. I mean, for the sake of posterity, no, I don't want the soccer European soccer leagues, you know, to completely change a format right at this moment. Um, but you know, the the playoff thing, you know, it's super it's super interesting. I mean, you, you know, you get teams that are streaking at the end, or, or you know, let's say like uh, if it comes down to like Inter and Roma at the end of the season, and they're, you know they're they're top one and two, and their next game, the last time they go head to head, you know, is is uh, in two weeks, and she so didn't get that one last crack at them for you know either a, a Champions League position or you know the Scudetto in, in 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 total. So I think it's you know that do or die mentality uh, is is such a is such an awesome thing. I think it'd be really awesome and compelling to see if if all these teams were willing to like throw their whole weight behind it. You, know, you had a, a top six European, maybe a play in because um, they do it in in Serie B and Serie C, and there's tons of excitement to it. And you know, the end of the season tournaments. There, I mean, there is the Copa Italia that goes on all year, but the end of season tournaments may look no further than March Madness. That you know, it's such an exciting thing. So it it, it would be interesting to be novel. It'd be fun to see you know a, a team like you know Juventus and Roma go at it at the end of the year for all the marbles. Um, but I got to compromise. Maybe you try the playoff system if and only if you don't have a team that's completely run away with it all. So maybe at the end of the the season, you got a stipulation that maybe you have a playoff system if there is uh, you know. 10 points between the first plays and the fourth plays and no less than than four points between first and second. Well, by no means do I want this to happen. You do, it dude. Just, just say would it. Be inter- yes, because I'm a bruto americano. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the Europeans will cater their leagues to uh, our American interests, but uh, make award... It, make it a big money payout. Yeah. Make it a big money payout. Let's say like... Uh, uh, Whoever wins, like Dybala plays for the next year. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like it's like a it's like a fantasy keeper league. Well, awards are good, so uh, it's good to play for something. I want to mention very quickly. Speaking of awards and award seasons, well, well, hold on. Let me throw one more thing on here, Chris. How about this? End of the season tournament, top six teams. The winner gets to pick the other team's terzo. They gets to design the other team's terzo. <laughs> And now you're introducing like fantasy football into this. For, yeah, for well, like the- like 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 a unicorn, you know, a, a pastel striped jersey, you know, one that's uh, just like the fart emoji or the poop emoji or something like that. I think there might be on something there. So awards are good, guys. It's it's good to go for something. So uh, speaking of award ceremonies and the award shows, we have to give a shout out Aziz Ansari at the Golden Globes on Sunday. 
thanking Italy for all the delicious food from season two. Definitely cool to see. And uh, also his show, uh, Master of None, also a great show. So check that out. While we're on shout outs, guys, as we speak at the moment, my girlfriend is sitting at Casa Italiana, Washington, D.C., around a bunch of old people apparently she just texted me and she is learning italian cali girl cali girl learning italian guys i'm just saying that's cool shout out to lanny grazie yep brava brava well i think that azia zanzari took uh, james gandolfini's golden globe acceptance speech here uh just a little bit more applicable to uh to james gandolfini but or maybe he stole one for when i you know, win my Golden Globe, because I'm definitely going to thank Italy for the food. Yeah, exactly. It's going to go into our thank you speeches for sure. Back to Italy. We've got week 20 in the books, an exciting week, a lot of storylines to go over. Let's start off with the rundown. Just over halfway through the season, Napoli and Juventus show strong signs of pulling away for the top four, being a two-horse Scudetto race. Inter dropping points to the Purple Rain, Fiorentina, and Roma look lost in a home loss to Atalanta. Chiro the Hero goes full Cobra Kai, never die, on Spa with four goals. Udinese cool off by drawing the old men of Chievo, while Milan get a desperate three points against the mighty Croutons, and Benevento find a prospective team hero in a shocker that nearly completes Sampdoria blowing their big league for a European position. We've got all that ahead, guys. We want to remind everybody... Curve America, we've got social media, and we use it. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find our podcast wherever podcasts are found, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, ASROMA360, CurveAmerica.com. Tad, once they find us... Well, they should subscribe, rate, and comment. And I'd like to throw out the subscribe, rate, and comment challenge to listener Heidi Halverson, who wrote something very nice on our Twitter wall, or I don't know if that's how that works, added us or whatever, and I, I gotta dig Heidi for several reasons. One, Heidi Halverson sounds like a girl I went to high school with, because I went to a very, very Scandinavian town in northeast Iowa, five miles from the Minnesota border, where Heidi is from, in Minneapolis, Purple Rain, and Aroma Fan. So the challenge for you, Heidi, is all those nice things you say, go ahead and do that on iTunes. <laughs> Cheers. We were grateful for that. Uh, at Spring Spark, uh, thank you for the comments. We are truly grateful you listened to the podcast. I also saw on SoundCloud, guys, uh, Marco, a fellow uh, Marylander here from Timonium. <laughs> from Timonium. Uh, he liked the Natty Bo shout-out from last week, so good job on the beer there. That's it, guys. That's how we lure in fans. You're just a hashtag Peroni this week. Yeah, all of Italy is going to follow us now that we have, we're drinking Peroni on the podcast. <laughs> Timonium, that kind of sounds like a cough syrup. Like, Timonium PM. That's why I recorded my first album, guys. Oh, Timonium? Or otherwise, it's the other way. It sounds like... It sounds like the metal that can destroy adamantium. <laughs> All right. There we go. So, Marco, you mentioned it, so I think it's your turn to do this beer. What are we drinking tonight? Peroni Nastrazzurro, guys. Why isn't this at Four Quarts? That's the question. Yeah, seriously. On this the is Serie a special for us. Everybody can be an Italian today. Just go to your local beer store and pick up a Nastrazzurro. And you can also be a Corv American. Just don't forget to subscribe, rate, and comment. I just, so many of these, the big bombers I drank in Italy in piazzas, just everyone standing outside some fountain with a 66 centiliter Peroni or Nastro Zero, they're two different beers there. I was a Nastro Zero because it translates into Blue Ribbon and my family and my dad owns Pat's Blue Ribbon. There you go. We're worth like $12,000. That's my favorite little tidbit about Peronis that it translates to Blue Ribbon. So, <laughs> all right, guys, looking forward to drinking this beer. Hope everyone can relax. Enjoy the podcast. 
in uh, for week 20, guys, we've got an exciting uh, interview. Marco, who is from Bologna, got to interview the Sempre Bologna blog. And uh, Frederick, who was gracious enough to join us, will be uh, talking about that game against Torino later in the podcast. Look out for that. Not only is Marco not from Bologna, he's also the mayor of the downstairs men's room in the Bologna train station. That's right. And I got that 100-year jersey. It's fresh. (laughs) And with that, off we go to the top five of the Serie A. Up first, we've got Napoli and Hellas Verona. Napoli continue to stay atop the table. 2-0 in this one. The Partenope keep breaking records on their way to stay on top. Tad, what do you got, man? I got to say, Ellis, sweet journeys and jerseys and all, must be happy to escape the San Paolo only losing 2-0. They're just completely blown out in all major categories. Basically, Barcelona versus anybody in, the, in La Liga, not Atletico. Or Real Madrid, 80-20 possession, 123-0 in shots, 2,000% pass success rate. Um, just blew the doors off him. Koulibaly scores in this one, and uh, you know, he plays a game that backs up his agent saying that he's the best center back in Italy. Uh, the only reason why I bring up this agent said that is because he did it for my favorite Italian radio station, Radio Kiss Kiss Napoli. Radio Kiss Kiss Napoli. Bashi. All right, more Italian words. We're, we're killing it on this podcast, guys. But it's Callihone who steals the show, guys. And Callihone, the record setting, follows up Hamsik. Hold my Prosecco when Hamsik becomes the all-time Napoli leader. And he becomes the uh, most scoring Spanish player in the history of the Serie A. So for him, we'll give one good, deep-throated Callihone. <laughs> Absolutely. That's his Tad's favorite word on this podcast. Every Always time I hear, hear you it. say that, I feel like I should be looking outside and looking over the hills and seeing Callejon rolling in on a horse. On a steed. On a steed. Shirtless, except for he's pretty scrawny. Yeah. He probably just has like the massive... He's Carl Drogo with Callejon's head on it, uh-huh. on a steed. In Wait, this. And he, maybe that's his twin. Yeah, that guy's amazing. And you know more than his skill... Uh, and his goal-scoring prowess, he's got that work rate that absolutely is fundamental for Napoli's success because they press all over the place, and they need players like him who have speed, skill, and uh, a good eye for goal. And still one of the last few Serie A players to, no matter what the weather, wears the long sleeve Napoli jersey. But he scores a goal in this one, guys, that he'll remember as his record-breaking goal just an absolute beauty of a goal uh, uh, serviced by Insigne and Marco Martini of uh, Roma Club just was on and on about the service from uh, from Insigne. So I think we need to change Insigne's name to the waiter or an Italian Marco. Il cameriere. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. All Italian right. word of the day. Lorenzo. Yeah. We're getting close to 51% of this podcast being an Italian, guys. Keep it up. <laughs> What else we got, uh, Tad, here? Uh, got well, some unfortunate news as well with Napoli, huh? No, and Napoli's got some great news coming their way. Look, everyone's talking about the reinforcements. Look like they're all but uh, all but sewed up for signing Simone Verde from uh, 
Bologna. Bologna. Spoiler alert, I'll be talking about that with Frederick, the man, the hill, in our little interview section for the Torino-Bologna game. Well, looks like almost all said and done. Uh, the main thing that I have to re- report, <laughs> listen to me. Uh, uh, yeah, the main thing I have to say about this is apparently I've read from a reporter in a report <laughs> that uh, supposedly Napoli have offered to triple his salary, so make it rain, get those euros flowing. Simone Verdi to Napoli is an excellent addition for them, somebody that can spell uh, Drace Mertens. Um, and, you know, maybe can play uh, 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 in other positions in the attacking trident, but a guy that definitely knows how to score. Coming to Napoli on a team, it looks like it might need a few more goals when guys are running out of steam. It's only bad things for Ellis Verona this week. Uh, Caceres officially moved to OTFR, so Caceres goes to the dark side. Again, he's probably asking if he's keeping his jersey. But apparently he's going to a team that's much like, uh, has supporters much like the team he just left. Um, Ellis Verona hit for a one-game ban for uh, racist chance against Blaise Matuidi, um, which uh, no place for it. Glad they got the ban, and we'll be talking more about Matuidi, who's might be a little bit of a trailblazer on this uh, on this uh, issue of racism in the Serie A. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, this is not the only game where we're going to be talking about racism and Matuidi. So, a black guy for Syria. We continue to, as fans, hope that they can resolve that, and uh, it would just make the league uh, better if if we do get that out. Uh, just say no to racism. We continue to say. Up next in week twenty, we've got Juventus, second place. Juventus taking on Cagliari. This one finished zero one. Juve keep pace with the Partenope and are still near the top. Marco, go ahead. 20 games played, minus one. They're back at it, keeping pace with Patanope. You said it yourself. And here it is in this game. Feel the burn. Bernadeschi finishes off a silver platter ball served up by Douglas Costa. Surprise, surprise, guys. The new players that come to Juve are performing, and that is my first takeaway. When you go to Juve, you come to play. This isn't... Uh, Patrick Schick coming and missing a wide open uh, one on one with the Breakaway. goalkeeper when <laughs> you know the whole Christmas. season's on the line. It ruined Christmas. This isn't uh, you know anybody else who comes to different teams like uh, uh, my man Gabriel Barbosa going to uh, Inter and not doing anything. Every time it seems like Juve gets a new player. They perform on the big stage. Whether or not it takes a little bit of time for them to gel, that's okay. You know that they're going to come up big for them uh, at some point in the season. You got to feel that. Does Napoli feel right now like a, a golfer in like the late 90s, early 2000s? And, you know, Tiger is like six strokes back, and then he's four strokes back, and then he's three strokes back. And now we're heading into, you know, the back nine, and he's only one behind. I mean, how bad are Napoli looking over the shoulder at these guys? Yeah, you got to think they're thinking, uh, thank God it's the transfer market. We might need some uh, fresh recruits here. Absolutely. But speaking of the transfer market, big ties to Emre Shan from Liverpool. And Tad, you're a Liverpool fan. What do you think the the uh, the signs are pointing to on this one? Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's done and dusted. As they, it is done and dusted, as they say in England. Um, I mean, it looks like he's going to come over. Uh, they've agreed to personal terms with him to come over at the end of the season as a free transfer. Um, Emre Chan, I mean, he, he, the funny thing was, is in the uh, FA Cup uh, uh, derby against Everton, he wore the captain's armband after he had agreed to terms with Juventus. 
You know, it's, it's an interesting signing here because essentially he's the same player as Sammy Kadira, very similar. But no, he's a he's a he adds to Juventus what Juventus uh, was trying to do when they added Matuidi, in which they want more of um, in the Serie A's. He adds uh, strength. He's a, he's a tough bullnose competitor, and he's he's really hard to dispossess. And he can and he's really good at tackling and 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 uh, uh, being that central defensive mid. So I think you know free transfer is a great signing for them. Maybe another really prudent move by Agnelli. Maybe the stable genius of the Serie A. Yep, and uh, very happy that players are coming from the EPL here to uh, Serie A. Usually, we see it the other way around. Well. Aside from all the transfer talk, this week a lot of controversy with the VAR, as usual with Juventus and Bernadeschi. Looked like there may have been a, a, a handball, no call. May have been. Yeah, it definitely changed he felt, directions. He felt the burn of the ball hitting his hand. Yeah. I don't know. You know, people were mad about the VAR, but head of the referee association is defending VAR, saying, you know, maybe in 900 different instances, there's been about five mistakes. Pretty good numbers, and he thinks that uh, Italy can be, you know, the the testing grounds for this that this technology that will be expanded maybe into the other leagues. What do you think? Yeah, I think that VAR is definitely excellent for Italy. It's just the funny thing is the there's still so much human element to it. So we've we've taken this big step to introducing you know it's, it's replay. I mean we, we can we can call it whatever we want, but it, you know it's replay, and then you know they kind of pick it themselves. So it's funny to me to see that, like, you know, when they're taking a free kick, there's this arbitrary spot. And, you know, sometimes they come out and they have, like, this, this shaking can they spray, you know, like, like temporary spray paint on the field. Or when somebody gets injured, you know, they, they spray the mystery substance. And they're running around doing all this arbitrary stuff. And now they've, they've in, implemented this system where they can go and replay and they still get it wrong. So it just goes to show that... R- officiating in soccer in Italy sometimes is just extremely comical. It's probably a good thing, though. I mean, I continue to keep harping on the NFL, how we just go to the replay every single time. Look, technology is going to be part of sports in general in the future. That's good. I just hope it doesn't turn into every single other play um, we look to VAR. Or there's there's more letter of the rule than spirit of the rule stuff going on, like in the NFL. We'll say that's not a catch, but everybody's like, that's a friggin' catch. You're yeah. just robbing them from by going letter of the rule. So I see with this kind of the arbitrary way that, that Italy tends to use VAR right now or the, the way they get it wrong, I think they might be going a little bit more spirit of the rule, which I'd like to see, rather than the NFL where they're essentially deciding games and seasons on people, you know, by, by going and, and, and reading the record, you know, get, getting going to the rule book and seeing as closely as they can. Another instance of racism here, this time with the Cagliari fans um, involving Matuidi, and uh, it, I just I, it's it's so disheartening to see this coming up again. And it has to always be with the new players, you know, like in the Serie A, so they get exposed, and then you know it's it's blown up even more. Not that it shouldn't be blown up, but the fact that he comes from a different league and then he experiences this in the Serie A just sheds a terrible light on. Uh, Serie as it as a whole and uh, overall we're just going to denounce it every single time well mad props to Blaise Matuidi on this one too is his uh, his reaction isn't to get upset his reaction is that he wants to help teach 
that hey, you know, let 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 me be part of the solution to have racism be rooted out than re- than being shut down and turned off. And even uh, uh, you know, Balotelli, crazy Balotelli, coming out right now and and you know, offering him support, but also saying that hey, look, you're kind of right to think that these aren't all Italians. All all Italians aren't you know the, the racist you know crazy soccer hooligan that uh, you know I think that. There's going to there's start starting to be even more so a, a changing of the guard for the players and all those around kind of condemning this racism by a few crazy fans. But on your point, uh, Tad, before of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, in this uh, unfortunate incident, we had Cagliari, the team, apologizing to Matuidi, saying, you're a great player and we don't want you to face that in our stadium. The league comes out saying, well, it wasn't the official referee who heard anything. There was no official report or, or action taken that we saw on the field. Therefore, Cagliari, there's no sanctions, which is just, again, the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. It should apply to VAR. It should apply to unfortunate situations like this. Yeah, I agree. But I think the revolution on this one is going to be led you know, between the field and the stands rather than you know, in the in the headquarters of the Serie A. It's true. It really does need to come from the Cagliari fans. And look, we're all Romanisti here, but we just, I wouldn't want that in Curvasud. I hope all the Serie A fans and the Curvas agree on that, that we just don't need that in our game. Absolutely not. So, you know, just, just for more negativity for Cagliari, five points above relegation now. They still don't have Boriello, right? They got rid of him. They need a goal scorer. He can come back, but I think he burned that bridge. Up next is Fiorentina and Inter. This one finished in a 1-1 draw with two Argentinians scoring, turning the heat up on Spalletti's Inter. Inter, the main storyline for them has got to be they feel like there's a crisis going on. they got to stop this slide after just one point from the last Serie A rounds and a Copa Italia exit that ended up being a derby against Milan. They didn't come out strong in this one either, guys. Fiorentina dominated this game. Icardi did get a goal in this. It was his 18th on the season. But even he's calling out his teammates, saying that we don't have any fight, and he can even feel it in the practice. Apparently, that they're just they're they're a different team, and they need to kind of have some of that fighting spirit back. Oh, don't poke the lion! Yeah. Also, some trash talked about he took a Real Madrid medical, which obviously is total trash. But Icardi, man, make him happy. Yeah, gotta love the transfer market rumors. Mandatory reading. Everybody, everybody on the team has to read his autobiography. Yeah. Uh, from up top, guys, with Spalletti, he has a pretty money quote on this one. Quote, even my 80-year-old mother knows we are missing a center back. So the transfer market beckons to to change uh, the, the ship's course for Inter here. Looking at you, Mr. Thurier, see if uh, they, can, they can get a, a new center back here. I have a question for you guys here. Would you credit Spalletti for this, that he's not looking for excuses? He keeps saying that you ask him the same thing over and over again. This is the media he's talking to. And he's told you a hundred times, we have to work and win. We not lose credibility and cry for lack of a player. But at the same time, this is all going on in the transfer market. Would you say that if no moves are made here, is it still on Spalletti? With all this debate here of whether they need a new player, would it fall back on him if nothing has changed? Look, I don't think Spalletti really has a lot of room uh, to make excuses this season. You're not in any other competition. You have a stacked team. You know, it, it, you can't just start talking about you need a player here, you need a player there. You got to win something before you can start getting big players. And I know it's Inter with the history, uh, but Spalletti was brought in to do a job because of his tactical genius 
And uh, right now, he's letting it slip. We saw this happen at Roma. So I'm starting to see that there's a little bit of a pattern with my man, Spalletti, big head. I uh, I like it, man. I think he's a brilliant uh, tactician on and off the field. I think this takes the blame off him if they don't get that center back that everyone and their mother and grandmother seems to say that they need. Spalletti, let everybody know. But hey, no excuses for me. I'll just keep uh, doing my job. I think he's a brilliant politician when it comes to uh, being a coach in Serie A. Doesn't Scrinier play center back? I think he's pretty good. Yeah, he's all right. You need two? You need two. You say you need another center back. (laughs) Adding to Inter's crisis here, guys, they missed out on a few extra million bucks because apparently every time they beat the big teams like Juve, Roma, AC Milan, their their, uh, sponsor on their shirt gives them an extra dose of money. So uh, they're missing out on that after the first half of the season. We will see if uh, that changes course in the second half. But then... You've got legends calling out current players. You've got Gabagol with a crap award. <laughs> Tad, you found this one. Uh, they got the, got the bidone, the bidone d'or. Yeah. They spent $33 million on him, and uh, he, he didn't start one game. Um, he's uh, struggling at Benfica, and he scored one goal. Yeah. Adding more insult to injury on that is Beppe Bergomi. His quote, he works for uh, uh, Sky, I'm pretty sure. Joe Mario has been embarrassing. What I just saw, I never want to see again from any player, let alone one wearing an Inter shirt. Joe Mario also got shelled by Mediaset, another Italian TV company. Gave him a 5 out of 10 in this game, mostly just for being a nice guy. It's too bad because, you know, when when Portugal won the Euros, you saw Joe Mario... You know, he's a beast, and uh, on his day, he's a good player. I think that, you know, Inter could probably get rid of him right now and make some money off of him. Um, he's just not fitting into the system, and he's in a down moment. Uh, I'm I'm kind of rooting for him to, to, to get back up before the World Cup to make things interesting, because I got Portugal going pretty far. He was bad in this game, man. His, this game is more embarrassing than Sean McDonough's voice crack and the, the Titans-Chiefs game. <laughs> The other side of the ball, quickly, Pioli's Fiorentina. There's a couple people starting to believe in what Pioli's been doing there, saying that he's growing more than just kind of uh, weathering the storm here. Check out an article with thesportsman.com on Fiorentina. Pretty interesting of saying that there's, there's growth and room for opportunities here, but uh, I'm not sold. I, I think this one game doesn't do it for me. In particular in this game, HDCT, Cyril Thoreau. Missed two sitters, Simeone and Chiesa, all missed big opportunities as well. They could have won this game, and they didn't. And there's no big acquisitions coming in this transfer market. So Fiorentina, all right, they're growing, but they need to uh, start getting some results, in my opinion. All right, up next, we've got Spall and OTFR. This one finished 5-2 with OTFR jumping Roma in the table. Hate to see that. Syria needing a Daniel Russo because Johnny Immobile is sweeping every leg in sight. <laughs> Johnny Lawrence Immobile, the Cobra Kai Immobile in this one. I mean, how much do you have to do to overshadow Luis Alberto's goal in this one or Antonucci's brace? You know, Chiro the Hero's goal storm establishes his supremacy as the season's Capo Cannonieri. Four goals, man. That is just an absolute cool old blast from this guy. Four goals. Poker, as they would say in Italy. Poker? Yeah, they say poker when, when people score four goals. I don't know why. Mm. And they call it poker. All okay. right. See, he's even teaching poker. us today. Yeah. It's not poker. Poker. Shopping. Yeah. yeah. 
First of all, Chiri Mobile blows up. 20 goals in the Serie A. So. 20 goals at half. Impressive. 20, 20 goals. I mean, you know, he's on pace, guys, to get a whiff at Fat Boy G's single season record, which stood for like, what, like 50 years, something like that. And then, you know, we got another guy going for it. I mean, Immobile was a menace at Torino, then was kind of a journeyman, struck out a couple places, found a home at OTFR, Team Cobra Kai, just loves being an 80s villain. 20 goals, man. I mean, like I said, Serie A needs a Daniele, a Daniele Russo. Yes. From Reseda. The big beard. Or New Jersey. Well, he, he's in New Jersey for like the first 10 seconds. And it's Newark. That counts. So. Jersey strong. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, they need a, they need a Daniel Russo to come in here and, and uh, try and slow this guy down. So, uh, uh, sweep the leg, Fazio. Um, and, but Luis Alberto's goal in this one, guys, ridiculous. One of the best goals of the season so far. The only goals I see like that are in my FIFA highlights when I'm <laughs> playing against my friends late at night after a long night of drinking. Yeah, another player that seems to find a bit of a resurrection at OTFR. Hate it. Um, and OTFR are now fourth with a game in hand, guys. Seeing the way this team's played, you know, apparently they've been screwed. Whether you, know, whether you agree with it or not, they probably have dropped some points because of some bad VAR calls. You know, what? how are they looking likely to the Champions League? They're looking good for the Champions League. And I'll say this, if they get the next win, they're only eight points off of first place. And now that is somewhat reasonable. Although, you know, I think we've been saying a little bit that it's a two-horse race now. OTFR, if they're able to string together a couple wins in a row and and, and just get a, a head of steam rolling... You and might stay out of ours way. Because yeah, you might end up seeing them being the favorites for Europe as as much as that pains me and will probably get me disqualified from the next uh, Roma <laughs> Club game. Yeah, or the podcast. Or yeah. the podcast. <laughs> We're going to be burning you in effigy at the next Roma game. All right. Mirko Antonucci is back, guys. Nails a brace in this one and looks good doing. Looks damn good and Boriello. Been kind of a no-show this season so far. So I'm, I'm wondering, guys, is, has the pit of naked, writhing men, women, and uh, spa lights, has it changed its address? Yeah. I mean, well, is, 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 is Mirko now, or is he, or just Boriello is just too deep in the pit? Can't, I, can't even get out. He's chilling. Yeah, I saw Boriello is uh, vacationing in New York, so for all the Curve Americans up there, keep an lookout for uh, Boriello and... Pits that are showing up all over the New York metro area. Be careful out there. Uh, how about try, try and keep your eyes on traffic. Don't don't walk into the crosswalk when Bor- Boriello walks by and you get lost in his eyes. <laughs> so it's gonna be a pit of naked men, women, and dead pedestrians in New York. <laughs> so still hoping for big things with Spa. They're in seventeenth place now, tied with Crotone in eighteenth. Let's go to the game we love the most, guys. Roma and Atalanta. This one finished 2-1. Roma embark on a Rudy Garcia-esque midseason slump to give Roma and OTFR fans what they desperately don't want, a fight with each other for fourth place. We didn't have Ninja in this one with, with Nangalon, and De Rossi was also out with an injury, so that equals a flat Roma team that can't fight back from two awful first-half goals. Even Atalanta playing with only 10 men in the second half, they still beat us, guys. It's just, it's super sad to see. And uh, even sadder to see 
Nangolan on the bench, sitting next to Totti. At the end of the game, I even saw a fan like pointing at him. He walked away with his hood down. Yeah, you got to assume he said, this was your fault, something right. to that effect. This is the big story of this game, and it really had Roma Club divided. It seemed like coming up to the game. What do you guys think? $100,000 penalty, one-game suspension for smoking, drinking, social media, telling the media to get a life after posting. Is it warranted? Excessive? Or, you know, should he have just gotten away with it, you know, clean and free? Yeah, this this, this Roma Club DC group chat coming out on the podcast here. <laughs> so, well, Tad, I think you were in favor of the ban and the fine, right? Yeah, yeah that, that, that's exactly what I was at. <laughs> no, it seems to be a lot of a zero-sum game um, that, you know, it's either nothing because he didn't do anything illegal or it was, you know, totally justified because, you know, he's had... He's had uh, uh, problems with this in the past, smoking, and uh, and all this. I mean, to me, it's it's just a it's such a mistake for Roma. It's Roma shooting themselves in the foot um, by you know suspending him and giving him a hundred thousand dollar fine. I know you could say that, and that's basically the hundred thousand dollar fine is like being suspended for the game without pay, but that's not true at all because they're not suspending him one game without pay. They are fining him a hundred thousand dollars. They said you did this. And because of this, we are going to fine you this much. So they're essentially telling Nangolan, we're taking a hundred grand out of your pocket for this mistake, drinking, smoking, and whatnot. And to me, for a, a team like Roma that's just desperately trying to stay up in the Champions League, and they're gonna have to make Champions League to attract new players or hold on to the superstars or the stars that they have, um, they're gonna have to, you know, be able to beat teams like Atalanta and, and stay in the top four, but also just shaking him down, a hundred grand. That's a lot of money. In that's Europe. a lot. That's that's a lot of euros, baby. That's a lot of carbonara right there. That's a lot of pecorino chess. And that's a lot of formaggio. Um, so I think that uh, you know that's that's just too excessive. I think you can get your point across to Nangolan and be like, "Hey, look, you've had issues with this in the past. We've talked to you about this before. Here you go, twenty-five grand, and you don't get to start." A hundred grand, you got to sit the game, and it ends up, you know, I mean, they could definitely have used them in this one. It's just, it's just too much to me. Yeah, and uh, I think you look around the league, you know, up until last year, completely normal for, for coaches to be smoking cigs on the, on the sideline. When teams are winning all around the world, people getting wasted in locker rooms is spraying beer and, and champagne all over themselves. I'm saying if he's not doing anything illegal, I think the the – the punishment it does not fit the crime, and it wasn't even a crime. So uh, at the same time, I get the other the other side of the argument. That's why I think that the fine should have been lessened, like you said. Um, and he is one of the leaders of the team, so he just has to be smarter all around. If he signed a contract though that said that that was going to be the fine and that was going to be you know the punishment, then you know. Slap on the it's, wrist for him. It's poor. It's definitely poor judgment on his part. Like you can't be, you know, the, the face of the team, the the stripper neck of the team, and uh, and you know expect to be able to post things like this without the Italian press jumping all over you. So he's got to be smarter. So he should be punished. He should be fined. But hundred grand. Also considering the fact that he's still dominant on the field. He runs more than anyone every game. Right. So it's not like you know he's missing training sessions or he's slacking off because he's smoking too much. It is a stupid video of him partying on New Year's. Fair and, point. And uh, uh, and you know you, you call him in and you'd be like, hey, you know, I'm sure you'd rather have twenty five thousand more dollars, but that one's mine. But hundred grand. 
anybody will remember the time they get fined a hundred thousand dollars. I don't care how many millions you have. How about uh, the the theory with because uh, you got Martinez, the the Belgium coach, um, kicking him off the team allegedly for smoking. And pretty much, he's on record of saying that Nangolan smokes too much. That's why he's not on the international team. It's a World Cup year, guys. You think maybe Roma went to bat for Nangolan, said we'll take care of this, and then he goes ahead and does it again. Well, I don't know how much influence Roma had on Martinez's decision, uh, Roberto Martinez, um, on this on this on their decision to you know, have him on or have him not. I mean, it's just super. If they did anything, they just pointed out the obvious that he's Belgium's you know best box to box midfielder and he deserves to be on the team. And if that's the case, that like, hey, we went to bat for you, um, and you know, uh, uh, you still did us like this. I still think that a, like to then excessively find him is it's super petty. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure a hundred thousand euro is unprecedented for uh, an infraction like this. So let's talk about the consequences of Nangolan not playing this game. Atalanta coming in. And you thought that this was going to be a good game for Roma to get three points at home, get the fans all pumped up. But really, the stadium was a little bit half empty. They come in, they score a goal. Cornelius scores a really kind of nasty goal against Fazio and Allison, both having great seasons, kind of puts them both in their place. And then, you know, here goes Atalanta. 2 nothing, and then they get a man down. We get the goal back. We're trying to, at the end, get the goal. I, I remember saying to everybody, if we don't score the second goal before the 75th minute, then we're going we're gonna to lose this game. And that's just the way things have been going. Roma hasn't really been pulling results out uh, like a, a winning championship team like Juventus does. And so here we, do, here we go again, guys. Serie A, two-horse race. Uh, I think... Roma was the last hope for for challenging these teams because Inter's just completely gone. I, you know, yes. What is Nangolan's effect? You know, him not playing, having this game, obviously tremendously. And you can imagine Atalanta coming in off of knocking out Napoli in the Coppa Italia, riding high. And the, you know, there's a certain fear factor if you're going to play against Roma, and the fear factor is you got to go into Stadio Olimpico and you got to play against Nangolan and Rossi, who are ferocious. Well, you come in there and there's you look on the other side of the field and they're missing, you know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Yeah. And uh, now, you know, you, you, you ain't afraid of no ghost. And so it would have been really nice if we could have subbed on Nangalon in like the 65th minute um, and, and really gone after it. You know, you could see that we kind of ran thin at this point. And Ganolan's just, just a poor game. So Roma, like I said, I mean, just having it so he doesn't play in this game is such a key game, especially when we didn't deserve to beat them in the first game of the season, period. If it wasn't for Golarov's uh uh you know great, deflection. Yeah, deflection, then then we'd be looking at 0 for two with Atalanta. Just the whole situation stinks. Yeah, I give I, I think they should give him seventy five grand back and say, Hey, we're really sorry. Yeah. I give uh, Atalanta a bit more credit than uh, Marco, I think. With uh, They took Napoli out of Coppa Italia. They also beat Milan recently, and they drew uh, OTFR not too long ago. So they're having a pretty good run. Seems like they're waking up. I also just love all the, the Atalanta fans up in Bergamo. After this game, 3,000 Atlantini, try to say that fast, line the streets, 2 a.m. Italy time in this one. Flares are out. Chants are going through the air. Three different generations of Atalanta fans uh, apparently out there. Just love to see that. Really cool. 
And uh, I've been, you know, soft on Atalanta in the beginning of the first half because I just feel like they're okay with draws. But uh, I don't know, man. They seem to be waking up at the right time, and uh, they're going to be right there where they need to for Europa. And uh, they're knocking off big teams here, so good for them. Atalanta fans, man, some of the best in Italy. Just a, a small cadre of people who, uh, you know, their team is the, uh, what, the princess of the provincial teams, is that what they call them? You know, I mean, I'm surprised we didn't see a tank in this one. But you see the bus pull up 2 a.m. and just flares everywhere. And 2 a.m. in Italy, man, that's late. Yeah, yeah. It's time to be in bed. Love to see it. I imagine Bergamo, too. Yeah. All right. So that finishes off the top five, guys. Unfortunately, Roma's in the last spot now uh, for the top five. We're going to take a quick break and jump in with Torino and Bologna, where Marco gets to interview Sempre Bologna's blog... And we talk about the game with them. All right, after the break, we've got Torino and Bologna. We've got 3 nothing in this one where Torino was simply dominant. But we've got to start with the Torino news from earlier in the week. Guys, Mihalovic, our Bobby Knight of the Serie A, he got canned. I'm wondering for that. Do you think he was just tossing chairs out of Torino HQ after uh, after getting fired, having his Bobby Knight moment? What do you guys think? They're lucky that's all he did. <laughs> yeah. I, fe- I fear Miha. I yep. just imagine this crazy Miha with his hair all disheveled and just screaming, pissed, probably knocking some people out on the way out. So, you know, he definitely got his last word in. We'll say that. Yep, the Torino Hoosier. He will he will rise again. We'll see. Taking his place now is Mazzari. He's getting everybody pumped up, and he got a result, right? 3 nothing in this game, Marco. What do you got? Absolutely. And the ex-Napoli coach who's had some pretty good success in uh, Serie A, you know, he just riles up the team. They come out, guns a-blazing. They completely take over this this match. Bologna, really, I was hoping to see a little bit more fight out of uh, my second favorite team and Frederick Bach's favorite team. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you kind of had the feeling that Mazzari was going to inject Torino with belief for this season, yeah, for this uh, rest of the season, but this game mainly. And uh, Torino just came out and they showed it. Two things I got to say about this. One, Tough break, Miha, getting fired after losing to Juventus in the in the in the Copa Derby. Um, and two, Matsari, he gets to play a little good cop right now because he's coming to a team that I'm partial probably some of the reason why Miha was fired is because he didn't really have anything nice to say about anybody on his team. So you get a Yayich, you get a Nyang, you get a, a Sadiq, you get and whoever the hell else used to play for Roma Falke. Um, they get to they get to maybe have some nice things said about him. Maybe. Mazzari is pretty fiery himself, so we'll see what happens there. Yep. All right. So to hear about the other side of this, let's hear from Marco in his interview with the Sempre Bologna blog. Yeah, Frederick Bacchi, born and bred Norwegian with a lifelong passion for football. He's currently studying for a bachelor's degree in English, but passionate Bologna fan and the proud founder of SempreBologna.com, as we've mentioned English site that provides everything you need to know about Bologna. And guys, Norwegian Bologna fan. Gotta love it. And he also talks about some of his favorite dishes in Bologna. So just listen up to this interview. It is a good one. All right, Podcast Paisani, I'm here with Frederick Bakke. He's the Norwegian, also known as Frederick Hill, 
over in the States. We're going to talk a little bit about the Torino game, what happened there, Bologna's overall season, uh, and some transfer rumors. So, Frederick, what happened against Torino? Bologna came in, and uh, at least I was pretty confident that they were going to at least get some sort of a decent result, but it looks like Torino just steamrolled them. Yeah, I was a bit surprised over how Torino completely dominated the game. You know, they had a new coach, Mazzari, and you could sense that it was like uh, this kind of uh, uncertainty in uh, around the team. And even though Bologna have experienced a bit of a rut in form lately, I thought that Torino was... Uh, a team that Bologna should beat or at least get a decent result against. Kind of a continuation of Bologna's disastrous December. Uh, let's talk about their overall form here. You know, they were in eighth place before December, and after one win in five, now they're back in 12th. I mean, I guess the only positive thing that you can take from this is that they got six points. They're six points away from European spots. Uh, but it's a really tight middle of the table. It's really tight. You know, Sampdoria in sixth with, how much is it, 30 points? Yeah. Yeah. And nine points down to to the drop. It's really tight all over the place. Uh, disastrous December. And one of the main themes of the month for me would be Bologna's, Bologna's defensive mistakes in almost every game. Goals came from the defensive mistakes in like against Udinese, uh, at Chievo, uh, two goals against Juventus were because of defensive mistakes, um, at uh, AC Milan. So, yeah, we have to rid ourselves of those mistakes. Yeah, and it's, you know, if, if it's against Bologna, maybe AC Milan a little bit, I that might be understandable. But, you know, when you make the mistakes yeah. against the teams like Udinese, and Cagliari, yeah. you know, these are teams, even Chievo, you get the win at the end, super destro. Yeah. But, uh, you know, these are games that Bologna should be looking to win if they want to be able to get uh, to Europe at the end of the season. So yeah. let's talk about Destro real quick, because this guy came from Roma. You know, the, the, the podcasts are, are originally Roma fans, and we kind of have an up and down relationship with Destro. We think now... You know, he's a little bit too much of a showman, maybe a little bit of a crybaby diva sometimes. Uh, but I think he's still young and he's got the talent. What do you think about the, the so-called babyface killer? What do you, what do you think uh, the rest of his season have in, has in store for him? Uh, well, he's uh, still only 26. And I remember when he came to Bologna and the expectations of him to not dominate, but to score a lot of goals and be Bologna's main man was... He was the biggest uh, biggest signing uh, for a long time at Bologna. And to be honest, he has disappointed a bit. And he has had these ruts in his form every season, like 10, 12 games without a goal. But now he seems to have found, found his form again. And he's playing really well up front with Simone Verdi and, yeah, and the others. So let's hope that he can score a lot of goals till the end of the season. Speaking of the others, we saw uh, our man Rodrigo Palacios, we call him yeah. Jedi, Jedi Rat Tail these days with the new Star yeah. Wars movie come out and he's kind of had a resurgence this season. Yeah, I was really surprised at how good he was. I, 
I didn't see the need for Bologna to acquire him this summer, but he's, he put Destro out of the team and his work rate and his technique was brilliant. Absolutely. I tell you what, when I see the starting lineup against Torino, now Torino does have some players itself, but you look at the front yeah. five and you have Mattia Destro, Di Francesco, who's also a very talented youngster in the Serie A, yeah. Palacio and Simone Verdi, Really, just you have the tools to at least do well in the middle of the table and maybe get that last place. How did the fans feel about Donadoni, the job that he's done over there? <laughs> well, I think uh, the fans are quite divided on Donadoni. I've been you know, on a couple of forums the last uh, since the loss against Torino, and some want him to continue, and others want him to just be fired, you know, but. Given the players he he has at his disposal, he should do better. He took over like two three months into the season in 2015-16, and when he took over, they were in the they they were in like 17th or 18th or yeah. And he got Bologna to 11th, and the season was really good. And that following summer, they sold Diavara to Napoli and got, got a lot of money. Right. And they strengthened the team overall with players like Mattia Destro and who else? Uh, Di Francesco, Luca Rizzo. And the expectations were really high, uh, was really high. But at the end of the following season, they had uh, finished 15th and everyone was disappointed. And again, they're having this dip in form when, uh, you know, some players are coming back into the squad. You know, uh, we yeah. see that Jedi Raptails is, is healthy again. And so they should have a, a deep enough squad to, to make some moves. So let's talk about the transfer window here because maybe the answer is to buy somebody. Have you heard any rumors, anything that sounds realistic to you, players on the radar that, that might be coming into Bologna this uh, January transfer window? Uh, yeah, there have been some rumors, mostly players on their way out. Like, well, for instance, you know, Demayili is linked to return to Bologna, and that move is. Some people believe that it will be a swap deal with Tider going to Montreal and Demayili to Bologna. I don't know if that's true, but it could be good for everyone. Okay. Well, what about in the defense? Because it seems like they have some holes to fill back there. We got two new center halves this summer in De Mayo and Gonzalez, and Gonzalez ha has been quite good, but still we're conceding a lot of goals, and we should probably at least be on the lookout for a left back because Massina have had it's not been that good this season. Uh, so a lot of teams have been in the mix for Simone Verdi, at least a lot of transfer rumors you know our uh, our buddy chris ross absolutely hates the transfer window because one day it seems like uh, a deal is done the next day uh, it's like it never yeah. happened uh, but we have seen some rumors from simone verdi who you know is just a, a really talented player i remember earlier in the season he scored two free kicks one with each foot uh so i i think that he is at least one of bologna's biggest prospects and uh some of the big dogs around uh, Italy and some of the, you know, some teams in, in the Premier League also looking at him from, from what I've read. 
how big of a loss would it be to lose Verdi uh, in the January transfer window? Well, Verdi is Bologna's best player at the moment. He's got, I don't know, almost 10 goals and like 10 assists. Eight goals, eight assists. And to lose him would be a big loss. But then again, Bologna is a mid-table team at the best and you have to you have to tell your players if they develop beyond the level of the club and if you were to go to if it was to go to Napoli in the summer for 25 million euros that money could help Bologna to develop to become a bigger club well let's talk about that because uh, that's the perfect segue I think that Joey Saputo, the Canadian chairman who, who we're going to start calling Dairy King after some of the research we, do, we saw on how he, his family came to prominence, but he's doing uh, some, some things over there to try to grow the brand in North America and the States. So, uh, you know, why don't we talk about what Joey Saputo is doing to try to make the team bigger? Has he done anything uh, that has really caught your eye, uh, your interest, something that Corp Americans should, should know about? Yeah, well, for me, as I'm not fluent in Ita- uh, Italian yet, it's good to follow, uh, follow a club that's reaching out to its fan base in English, as Bologna is one of the few clubs that has an English Twitter account as well as an Italian one. Right. Um, what about the new stadium? You were talking about reinvestment and some money, maybe selling players, but is there any plans for Bologna to upgrade their stadium, which was built in 1927. The Renato de Lara uh, is kind of an old-school stadium. It holds about 40,000 40, fans, but uh, it kind of seems like they need an upgrade over there as well. Uh, yeah, well, the Renato de Lara is an extremely old stadium, but a beautiful one. And to, to build a new stadium would anger a lot of fans, but at the end of the day, the, this stadium does not bring does not bring in a lot of money for Bologna because they can't fill it in any game. Saputo has said himself that uh, the security in the stadium is is uh, is bad and that families don't want to go to the games because of it. And you can't even buy a cup of coffee in the stadium, and that ham- that hampers the economic development of the club. You just talked about how Bologna is doing a decent job of reaching out to its English fan base. So that leads me to uh, want to ask you the question, how did you become a, a fan of Bologna? I didn't know that uh, there was a lot of Norwegian uh, Serie A fans, let alone Bologna fans. How did this, uh, this love for the team get started? No, you're right. There aren't many Norwegian fans of Italian teams in general. You have a maybe some Roma fans and some Juventus fans and Milan fans, but I became a Bologna fan because I was, I'm a student and I'm planning a semester abroad in Italy and I found that the University of Bologna was the best fit for me. And I knew that when I went to Italy, I wanted to watch Serie A games. And because it was the University of Bologna, I started to watch Bologna games on the telly. And um, then I went to Bologna at uh, Christmas last year, Christmas of 2016. 
uh, and I just fell in love with the city. There were there wasn't any game when I was there, but I was at the stadium, and after that, I was just hooked to Bologna, and yeah. It is a beautiful city, and I can attest to that. I know my uh, my fellow podcasters they don't they don't believe that I actually live there, uh, but I was I lived for four years in kind of the southeast area uh, next to Giardini Margherita, and I went to preschool there. Uh, that's where my love of Bologna came. Also, my grandmother was from there, and uh, you know I think one of the biggest things is that people might recognize Bologna for around the, the world is the pasta bolognese or the bolognese ragu sauce, the meat sauce. And that yeah. it, has led us to deem this team the Team Meat Sauce or Team Meat Sauce United. So, you know, just one of my favorite uh, meals of all time. Uh, have you have you gotten a chance to go and and experience the cuisine of the city that is just uh, again it's just famous for it? Uh, yeah, when I was in Bologna a year ago, I ate uh, of course I ate ragu. Was that your favorite one? Yeah, ragu is is a it's a classic. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, again, Team Meat Sauce United. They it, whether or not they. Uh, they get into Europe this season or not, they still have that to lean on uh, for the rest of time. Well, let me get one final question here, Frederick. And again, we really appreciate uh, you joining us on our podcast. Uh, as a fan, where does Bologna end up at the end of the season? There's a lot of teams in the mix. We talked about it earlier. Um, are they going to be able to potentially knock on Europe's door? Um, the short answer, no. I don't think we'll go go to Europe this uh, this season. We'll probably finish. I hope we'll finish somewhere between eighth and eleventh, and at least that at least we'll replicate the 2015-16 season where we finished eleventh. But with the recent dip in form, it seems unlikely even that. For the longer run, I I think it's optimism, uh, given that. Given Saputo's stated ambitions with the stadium, and especially given how the director of football begun and his how he is working to uh, strengthen the team with buying at low cost and selling at high and getting a better economy for the club. Okay, well, Frederick, thank you so much again for joining us. And if again, if you want to catch. Uh, the Sempre Bologna blog, you go, you can find it anywhere. Just type it in your Google search search bar. And Frederick really writes some really good articles uh, about the team. He reviews every game. He talks about the transfer market. And he even gives monthly reviews. Uh, so go ahead and check out the Sempre Bologna blog. And Frederick, thanks again for joining us on Curva Medica podcast. Thanks for having me on the show, man. All right. Thank you, Marco and Frederick, for that interview. Up next, we've got Benevento and Samp. This one finished 3-2. Massimo Coda is the new king of Benevento. Marco, what do you got? That's right. He scores two and gets the one assist. And Benevento get their second win of the season against a struggling Sampdoria right now. King Coda, new nickname of the week. Here we go. He's going into the starting 11 if he continues doing what he's doing and i'm just trying to parallel trump over here and, and maybe a little bit of uh of tad's uh great alliteration and nicknames 
So I guess that was a uh, compliment. King Coda. Oh, I'll grazie. Grazie. <laughs> game winner against Kievo, and now an amazing game against Sampdoria. I keep saying it, King Coda. I think we found we posted on Corv America a uh, meme of of uh, Goku. That's Dragon Ball Z. He was Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan one turned into Super Saiyan three in this Sampdoria game. So. King Calda and Benevento are rolling right now. They're at minus eight. And I'm pretty sure at this point of the season last year, Crotone may have been at minus nine. I think the danger zone is a little bit deeper this season. So Benevento, do not count them out. Seriously, keep in mind, they have seven points right now. Safety is eight points away at 16. That is only three games, guys. That, how great would it be if Benevento stays up? Heck yeah, man. Mm-hmm. They got the witch on the sigil. I mean... 15, I, right? When they're, I, they're shooting for 15 right now. Well, yeah. Right now, that would tie them with Spall and Crotone. True, so true, 16 true. would get them out. Yeah. 16 points only for Benevento. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's not that much of a gap to make up. You got to love, love Benevento, man. The guy who scored the third goal, Brignola... I was like, wait a minute, their goalie scored again? Yeah, right. No, that's Brignoli. So the Brignoli Canoli, I mean, these two guys, I don't know. I think Goal scores. Capo Cananieri race for, for the Benevento crew. Yep. Guys, my takeaway for Sampdoria is, Sampdoria, what's going on? I mean, since their win against UA, they've only managed four points, one against Cagliari and three against Spall. A uh, a spall that is a Boriello less spall, and maybe just one with Antonucci carrying the team. So Sampdoria, they need to get back on the horse. They're still in sixth, but now they got about four or five teams on their on their hot in their tracks, and we'll see what happens there. So slipping away, man. They had a huge lead with the game in hand, and now now they're tied. I'm curious now, as as Romanisti, uh, seeing as how we have to play them with that game in hand back to back, how are you feeling about them now? Are you still worried about them? Not so worried about it unless they come out wearing those fresh jerseys that they wore uh, this weekend, those dark blue. Man, I'm about to order those online. But those things could be mesmerizing on the field. That's the only chance they got. I'm worried about it. I don't, I, that's a dangerous slump way to get us out of our slump, a back, uh, back-to-back home-and-home. Home. That's uh, going to be difficult for us. All right, so that finishes up that game. I do want to mention, too, Sampdoria jumping in on the Serie A news. They're potentially buying their stadium for 10 million euros and apparently going to be gracious hosts to OTF Genoa, the Garden State, and not kick them out of that stadium. Big mistake. Yeah. Big mistake. It's like my lifelong fantasy to, like, buy an enemy's house and then just throw them out. Yeah. But good news for Syria, uh, more teams buying their stadiums, hopefully uh, going to renovate them or, or build new ones. So uh, Sampdoria getting in that game, that's great to see. Up next is poor, poor Milan playing mighty, mighty Crotone. Unfortunately, Milan got this one. one nothing. Milan survives what would have been an embarrassing loss to Crouton Nation. Not much in the game, guys, though Benucci did score. The, the goal itself, just terrible. Goalkeeper Cordaz for Crotone, it le- his punched attempt landed right on Benucci's hand and just like fell comically into the goal. So just terrible on that. But hey, a positive note for Benucci. Also with uh, Cordaz, rocking a hot pink goalkeeper kit, Jorge Campos-esque, if you guys remember that from your youth. So uh, pretty impressive on the, uh, on the uniforms in this one, at least for the goalkeepers. And unfortunately, sorry, Milanisti, but the story continues to be the money situation and how it's going to affect your transfer market. 
First up in this business is new sponsor, Asian Gambling Company. Uh, gonna, I think it's VBet. Um, for, uh, it's an Asian gambling company who's going to be a sponsor for Milan. So at least it's not non-existent coal mines, guys. At least there seems to be some money in gambling. Oh, that's, that's what Milan needs is they need to, uh, when they're having money trouble, start throwing gambling sponsors on the, on the front of their shirt. In Speculation. A <laughs> yeah, in a league that's you know, had some kind of match-fixing things before and yeah. uh, has basically uh, some of the lower leagues have been ravaged by Chinese gambling. So interesting move for the you know, second winningest club in Italian history. Yep, we'll see if it pans out. Already, uh, we've got Arsenal's Theo Walcott. There was talk of him coming to the Serie A, but apparently Milan's tra- passing on him because he's just too expensive. Wait, wait. Was, I'm pretty sure this is how this rumor started. Somebody on Instagram said, Theo Walcott, you know, reportedly trying to get out of Arsenal. What do you think about Theo Walcott at Milan? Or was that Roma? Could have been Roma. Yeah, no, I I've, I think I saw both. You're right, but hey, man, you are personifying exactly why I hate this transfer market season. This is you why. brought it up, man. They're, I know, I know. They're trimming the fat. Milan is trimming the fat on the transfer season. I think they're holding out hope for Usain Bolt. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna scoop him up from that Dortmund trial. Yep. Also, negative news. It could have been the knight in shining armor of Berlusconi, if that's even possible. But he doesn't want to get anyone's hope up, hopes up and say he's not coming back to Milan in this one. So yeah, I think right. you guys are stuck with the ownership that you got, at uh, least for he's now. He's reading art the deal. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. If Berlusconi says it, you know how you know Berlusconi's lying, Chris? His lips are moving. Yeah. Fair point, fair point. I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back. But he is paying lip service that he's done. On to the field itself, guys. We got to mention Gattuso, the coach, wishing him a happy 40th birthday, but it's a stressful one. He admits in an article that uh, he's not crazy about coaching. He says that it is stressful, particularly at this time being with Milan. He loves the club, but it is a stressful job. You feel for him there because it has definitely got to be stressful down there. 40 years old, that's Gattuso. I mean, like, when I saw him, I was like, was he really old when I started following Syria? 40. He's got some city miles on him, man. And who who is who did we nickname City Miles? I think that's in your top eleven. Sorrentino. Yeah. Uh, somebody that looked really old. Anyways. Yeah. At any rate, we're sorry, no, Milanisti. That uh that continues to be the story here. Enjoy the one nothing victory over Crouton Nation. We need to come back and get out of relegation. Next game, we've got Chievo and Udinese. This one finished 1-1. The Flying Donkeys and Udinese's magical run in the Serie A. Udinese have had five straight victories under new coach Massimo Odo. Finito, guys. That is done from the Flying Donkeys, who could have won this game, but VAR reared its ugly head again and took a goal away, would have put him up 2-0, and it stays as a draw at the end of it. Udinese drew to the team that lost to Benevento last week, and now they're, uh, what can you say about that? Just any given Sunday, I guess, huh? Yeah, I think everyone's really surprised that Udinese, the run that Udinese went on. Um, you know, let's not crown them Scudetto champions quite yet, but, you know, good on them. Um, unfortunately, this one, they uh, lose to the motorized chair donkeys in this one. And we'll finish off... We probably could have had more danger zone. Draw the motorized chair donkeys. Draw, draw, draw. And we could have uh, probably had some more danger zone games here, but let's just put this one, the only game in there. Genoa Sassuolo, the... 
danger zone. In the danger zone. The danger zone. In the danger zone. Richard danger zone. All right. There we go. This one finished one nothing. OTF Genoa, the Garden State, putting themselves six points clear of the danger zone. Sassuolo is still dangerously close. Tad, you got this one. Six points clear for Genoa. OTF Genoa. That's a fine for me. The Garden State. Giuseppe Rossi. You know, ever since, he's just had a massive impact on this team so far. Only thing I have to say about this guy is, is I watched it and, ugh, kill me. Didn't you watch the 90 and 30? I watched the 90 and 30, yes. Um, thank you, Marco. DVR'd that one. You know, this, this game, this games like this, you know, Sassuolo have a big result against Roma. just goes to show how much Roma is slumping, but they still kind of suck. Um, you know, they just beat Inter and drew Roma in the two previous weeks, and now they lose to OTF Genoa 1-0. I think it's time for Giacchini to uh, change up that hat game. He's got to get a new one. I'd like to see him come out in, like, a Coppa sombrero. Something. Something to change it up. I agree. Uh, that would be nice. But, hey, look, they've had some big results against big teams. Uh, this one is a bit of a shock. And my other takeaway is, despite OTF Genoa being six points clear, um, until I see Giuseppe Rossi take his sweet... American behind out on that field, they still suck as well. And their stadium's about to get bought by their rival team, and they're going to get invicted. I don't believe Sampdoria for a second. Yeah, still still hoping for him to score goals. But, hey, look, guys, we, we uh, they are out of the danger zone, and that's, I think, as much as they can hope for this season after the first half was just bad for both of these teams. Can you imagine that lease agreement that Sampdoria is going to make OTF Genoa sign? It's going to be high rent. Yes, high, high rent. Yeah, and, like, the enormous late fees for... Just being like one second late. Yeah. This is totally no smoking wherever uh, OTF Genoa is. All right, guys. Well done. Week 20 in the books. We've got a break. Fortunately, it may not be Christmas break, but we are off this weekend. No action in Syria. You can see all the players vacationing right now on social media. So we'll be back in two weeks. Got some interesting games coming up. I'd have to say that the biggest one has got to be Inter and Roma playing for that fourth place spot going to be interesting we've also got atalanta and napoli those are two great games for uh, week 21 coming up in a uh, two weeks from here until two weeks from now guys enjoy your time off no podcasting until rate, then rate and comment everybody subscribe rate and comment and arrivederci ciao 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 ciao